The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Uh, hello, my name is Mohammed Ahmed. Hi, my name is Carl Seitz. Hi, I'm Layla. And I'm visually impaired. I am completely blind. I have Leber's congenital amaurosis, which is my eye condition. My dream job is an actor. I have an internship right now. I work at Optum Technology, and that's a branch of United Healthcare. I'm thinking of several careers right now. I'm either an actor, a singer-songwriter. And my favorite hobbies are swimming. Man, I can't wait for summer. I I actually just joined wrestling. I had a really fun time. I wrestled a lot of matches and won some. I lost some. I like playing clarinet. I play piano. I like rock climbing, swimming. I, I use a laptop computer with Jaws. Jaws is a screen reader that helps blind kids read what's on the computer. They need Jaws to read it out for them. Uh, reading and responding was a really big problem, but Zoom text really changed all of that. Jaws is a great resource. Okay, I really like Sharky and how you can say like, hey Sharky, like blah, blah, blah. I do that whenever I'm like at home and I'm not near my computer. Now and going forward with Zoom text, I know what Zoom text can do for me. And the whole thing about this is independence. I went from going into my laptop like this and not really knowing um, where's what zoom text really changed all of that and if you could get access to jaws i would totally recommend it it's so helpful to anyone in school or just with anything with like leisure thanks to jaws i'm gonna be able to use a computer just like everybody else understanding your condition and once you really get to know um, what your condition is and you can explain the ins and out of it, just knowing what you can do and what you need help with. The Freedom Scientific Student of the Month program features K-12 students in the United States who have shown a commitment to education. If that sounds like you or someone you know, then submit a nomination at freedomscientific.com slash student of the month. That's freedomscientific.com slash student of the month. So don't delay. Nominate your student today. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Vespero's session on Jaws and Fusion. For those of you who are following, taking this session for continuing education credits, the opening CEU code for this session is 21534. Again, that's 21534. I will turn this over to Ryan Jones now, and I will be back at the end with the closing session code. All right. Thanks, Janet. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Ryan Jones, and um, also, just for FYI for everyone, uh, Joe McDaniel, my colleagues helping anyone find seats, Joe's in the back. If anyone needs help to get out, if you need to use the restroom, if you hate me and want to leave, um, just kind of wave your hand and Joe will keep, keep watching around. Yes. If he's boring. If I'm boring, then yeah, then just, just stay. <laughs> Yeah, but thank you all for um, for this afternoon. Um, just kind of for familiarity, I'm there's a round table up here that I'm standing at, and if you can hear my voice, at least now you know kind of where I'm at physically in the room. And uh, some of the time I'll be sitting uh, with the computer here, and some of the time I'll be standing and talking. Uh, I kind of prefer to stand and talk, but it's hard to use the computer that way too at a table. So um, today 
our session is really going to focus on what's been going on with JAWS, ZoomText, and Fusion over the last year, and then I'm going to introduce uh, a, two new things that are actually coming in the next version of JAWS in the October timeframe. And these are two things that have not been talked about publicly until this weekend, and I'm going to give you a sneak preview of those two things. So you guys will be some of the first people to hear about this. One of them is rate related to Braille, and one of them is related to video camera on your computer. So that's going to be some fun stuff, and then we'll also hopefully have time for questions and answers at the end. So I, I want to share a little bit about myself. Um, some of you I know here, and some of you I don't know. And so as, as all of you probably know, about a year ago, uh, Eric Damery, who was the, the VP of software at Freedom Scientific for, I think, since about 1897 <laughs> is when he started, um, you know, he, he retired. So now he gets to play golf every day and, um, and, and enjoy the life of retirement. And so at that point, I stepped in and, and took over the software business that includes everything related to JAWS and ZoomText and Fusion and also now our enterprise accessibility software that our consulting division, TPGI, uses as well. So I wanted to just take a few minutes to, to share a little bit about who I am and my background for all of you as well. Um, I grew up in Florida. I'm one of like three people ever who actually were born in Florida. And so, somebody else? Oh, good. My sister's the other one. She was actually born in Florida. Most everybody else moved to Florida. Uh, but anyway, I grew up in the northwest part of Florida and uh, grew up low vision. Uh, when I was growing up, I could read large print books to some degree. I was using the old, remember the old CCTVs that had the 100-watt lights that would singe the back of your hand after you read for a while. So that's, I used that. For, through most of school, I used books on tape. Um, I, I love to share the story. Did anybody else use the NLS players from way back? This would have been like the late 80s. Yeah. Remember the thing weighs 12 pounds? And, yeah. And so, so my bed when I was growing up was right next to the wall, and there was about a four-inch gap. And so I would listen to books late at night and fall asleep and then roll over and knock that thing off, and it would hit the wall. And my parents would think somebody's breaking into the house or I've fallen out of my bed or something like that. Um, yeah, so, so as I got older, you know, probably around early 20s, my vision started to change, deteriorate. So I went through that transition of using low vision devices, Zoom text, uh, video magnifiers, and, and I switched over in that time period to using JAWS. Um, basically, the vision I have now is, is just light perception. So I can tell if the lights are on in a room, can tell if it's you know cloudy or sunny outside in, in general. So it's enough to help get around, but it's not enough to see anything on the screen. So I've been using JAWS for a little over 23 years now. Um, and and so, so that's kind of my progression. Uh, I actually have LCA, Libra's congenital amaurosis. Anybody else LCA? Nope. It's kind of similar to RP. In fact, they thought I had RP when I was growing up and then found out later it was LCA. So... I live now in Kentucky. Uh, I've lived in Florida, Washington, D.C. I went to, I did my undergrad degree at Auburn in Alabama in computer science. Hey, War Eagle, all right. So did that, and then I did about 10 years ago a master's in vision rehab therapy at Florida State. Uh, all right, good. So we got some good college representation here. Nice, nice. Um, my wife is from Kentucky. We've lived in Lexington for about almost 10 years now, and that's probably where we'll be. 
Um, so I work remotely. Uh, as most of you know, Vespero has a, our main office is in Clearwater, Florida. But ever since COVID, 99% of us are all remote now anyway. Uh, and so, um, so that's where I'm at in Kentucky. Um, you might ask, what do I do in my spare time? What little spare time I have? A um, couple things. I, I love music. I play the drums. I've played the drums ever since I was a kid. All right, good. So I have, a, I have an electric set I keep in my house so I don't drive my wife and our neighbors crazy. And then I have an acoustic set that's at the church that we go to, and I play drums there as well. Um, the other thing that I do that keeps me really busy, especially for the latter parts of the year, is uh, I do a Christmas, a synchronized Christmas light show at my house. So I put up... All right, nice. So I put up about 12,000 Christmas lights on my house, and everything is controlled by computer. So it's all plugged in to, to uh, some computerized controllers. And then uh, there's some special software you use to drive all this, and I, I wrote a few JAW scripts to help me interact with that software. So I synchronize all the lights to music from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And so everything is programmed down to 1 20th of a second. So imagine the idea of like a spreadsheet where you have all these channels of lights and a three, every three-minute song is broken into um, 1 20th of a second. And then I, I do the programming that way. It's, it's a perfect example that all of us know of we can do the things that we want to do if we find ways to do them. It may just take a little bit longer, and it may be a little more challenging. You know, anyone that's sighted, they can just drag and drop stuff on this grid and, and make, it, you know, make it real easy to program stuff. I can still do the same thing. It's just a little bit harder to do. Um, and it gives me a great platform to talk to other people about uh, using technology and, and using your desire to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish and, and not letting um, things get in your way. You know, we, we have, uh, throughout the whole month of December, every night, the show runs for about three hours, and people come up, they drive up and sit in their car, and I have an FM transmitter that plays the, the music and the narration, and they sit in their car and watch. And so we have thousands of people that come out throughout the month of December from all over. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And, um, and so it gives me a good opportunity when I meet people to talk about this. And uh, I'll share one other funny story. We have a two-story house, and part of the, part of the second story is over top of the first story. So I, there's kind of a roof of the first story that I get out on, and I put lights up. I have a huge star that goes up on top. And, of course, people are always freaked out when the blind guy's on the roof, right? And so, so the neighbors are, you know, they were first kind of nervous, like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, I could just use my cane and walk around, and <laughs> that will get people's attention. But the, the first year I did this, I was up there kind of working around the window, and the, the postman came by, and he's, he, he thought I was trying to break into my house because he didn't know me yet. And he says, hey, what are you doing up there? And I said, oh, I'm putting up lights. And he said, you live here? And I said, yeah, yeah, I live here. So anyway, now, now it's a good joke for us. Um, that, you know, the, our, our neighbors know it's time for Christmas when they see Ryan Jones up on the roof uh, putting up Christmas lights. So, that, so that's kind of the, my fall and uh, winter time that I, that I really enjoy doing. So anyway, that's sort of uh, some, some basic history about myself. Um, I worked in, I've worked for Freedom Scientific and Vespero, as whatever our name is, uh, each month, it seems like, for, since about 2005. 
So I started in this field in 2005. I did training for a long time. So some of you may recognize my voice from webinars. I used to do a lot of webinars with Dan Clark, uh, who retired a few years ago, and, and other training things. And then I've also worked in the consulting division of our company for several years working on website accessibility, smartphone app accessibility, and also kiosk accessibility. So one of the really great projects I got to lead was our effort to get JAWS into the McDonald's kiosks so that we can all order Big Macs that will uh, be terrible for us, right? It's equal opportunity for calories. That's what we're looking for. And, you know, I never noticed, never paid too much attention about how much calories things have until I started to build an accessible kiosk, and then you had to hear it every time you go to a McChicken, and you're like, how many digits? Was that calorie count again? And um, so anyway, I moved in, moved back over to to work with this software team about a year ago, and and love it. We have a really great team. I, I know many of you probably know Liz and Rachel and Ron and others who... You hear doing webinars and the Ask Sharky events and the ACB community events that we participate in. So just a great team of engineers. You know, quite a number of our engineers are, are blind and low vision. Uh, quite a number of our – most of our tech um, testing team and also our technical support teams are all blind and low vision. So we have a lot of representation across our company of people who are blind or low vision using our products and, and also building the products and well, and actually Mark is here. Mark works in our, our tech support team, and, and Mark was able to be here today as well, so I'm thankful for that. So let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in the products, and then we'll get to the fun stuff, which is what's coming up. Um, does, so let me just kind of read the room, and you can respond by clapping. How many of you in the room use JAWS? Okay. How many use Zoom text? Okay, good. How many of you use Zoom Text and JAWS together as Fusion? All right. Good, good. So, so just kind of helpful for me to see the, the breakout of, of how we're, we're doing here. So uh, as you all know, there was a, an update if you're using 2023. So how many of you actually use JAWS or Zoom Text or Fusion 2023 now? Okay. How many on 2022? you okay we can fix that we can fix that anybody earlier than 2022 okay well definitely we need to fix that because uh, uh, there there's definitely some gaps of technology that can be missed as we as we go forward in time well then you are using an ancient computer i would say so excellent excellent so let's Let's talk about the June update. So an update came out on June 20th, so just a couple of weeks ago. And there were two pretty big things that came out in that update. So most of you know that our updates that come out about every eight weeks or so are either going to contain bug fixes or things that we have to do to keep up with what Microsoft and Google are doing because they're always doing a lot and very quickly. And then sometimes we can add in new features and functionality. In the June update, we added two things that are actually brand new to the product. So number one, we added in 
uh, something so that when you plug in an external Braille display, whether it's a focus Braille display or another manufacturer's Braille display, JAWS can now automatically detect the Braille display, set it up for you, and you can immediately start using it. So you don't have to go to the Braille and Synth Manager anymore to add the display. Um, every time you plug it in or connect with it via Bluetooth, it will just automatically start working. You don't have to shut JAWS down, restart JAWS. Uh, it, it makes it easier if you're adding a new Braille display or just you know, connecting or disconnecting the Braille display that you already have. So that, that's one big thing that's now in the products as of June. The other thing is something called Message Center. And I, I like to think about things as we're not creating features just to create features or just because we have nothing else to do. We're creating features to solve problems. So I, I always think about what's the problem and then what can we do in the product to solve the problem. So one of the problems that we, we know exists is that people aren't able to find out what we're doing and, and what we're talking about in our products, whether it be announcements about new podcasts or training events or other things like that. If, unless you're engaged and unless you subscribe to our blog or go to our website continually – it's very easy to miss things that are going on that, that would be helpful for you to know. Message Center helps us solve that because it allows us to push messages to the products now. So basically think of it like an inbox that's inside of JAWS or inside of ZoomText. And we can push messages out to you uh, about different things going on. So whether it's the FS cast that releases every month or a, a what's new article about something that just came into the product or some sort of alert where we might need to tell you, hey, there's a bug in Chrome and you need to update your version of Chrome or Edge or some, some other announcement like that. We can put them inside the product so that you can find them quicker and easier. I think most people are familiar with this, especially from apps, where you, you'll open an app and it'll pop up a message and say, do this or do that. The good thing is we're not going to put pop-up messages there to annoy people, right? So, so the messages will be in this inbox, but it's, we're not going to force them in front of you and you have to hit an OK button or something in order to, to keep using the product. So I'll, I'll do a demonstration of Message Center here and, and kind of show you what it looks like a little bit. And, and you'll have to forgive me because I have to hold the mic in one hand and try to use the computer in the other. So... Um, if I fat finger a command here, um, just be aware that that's what I'm Jaws. doing. Jaws. Oh, it's all right. Because I'll, I'll keep moving my head around. Alt H, help menu, command search. So in the help menu, you will find... Message center, M. Message center. Enter, leaving menus. Message center, messages, multi-select list box, unread, FS cast 232, short message center demo, and a visit with Jaws developer, Brett Lewis, podcasts, June 28, 2023, 1 to 4. So there's four messages that are available right now, and we can scroll up and down with the up and down arrow key. So think of this like in an inbox, for example, for email. And if I press the down arrow key... Unread, FSCast 231, archive of the May 2023 FS Open Line, podcasts, June 22nd, 2023. So the first two messages were about uh, FSCast. Did anyone here listen to FSCast? Good, good. So, so if you're not familiar, it's a monthly podcast that we release. Uh, Glenn Gordon, who was also around since 1897 with Jaws, uh, and, and he's okay if I say that because I love Glenn. Um, I affectionately call him the grandfather of Jaws because he was really integral with Ted Henter at the very early stages of the development. 
Um, Glenn hosts this podcast every month. Unread. Um, available at he, he interviews different people related to topics around blindness and low vision and then also talks about what's going on with the products and training and, and other things. So instead of um, the, the alerts that used to pop up when, you, when we sent out a new FS cast, we would now put that in message center. <clears throat> Unread. Say hello to our new message. Unread. June update available and dash what's new and dash jaws. What's new? June 20th, 2023. So here's one for an example that we put in about what's new in the June update. So I'm just going to press enter on this to, to read this message. Enter. June update available and dash what's new at June. And now I've got a screen that I can use the arrow keys and read through. It's kind of like an email message or a web page, for example. June up. We are pleased to announce our June update. Packed with exciting features and improvements. Take a look at the highlights colon. List of free items. Bullet Braille display auto detection to connect your display seamlessly. Bullet introducing message center called bullet various bugs. And I'm just kind of scrolling through. So so we have a, a few highlights of the new things in uh, in the in the June update. But also with the messages, we can put links here to help direct you to a, additional information. List end. You can update to the latest for the reader for link what's new in JAWS 2023 screen reader. So there's a link there that says what's new. So if I press enter, enter what's new in JAWS 2023 screen reader link, visited link graphic freedom scientist. It actually opens up Chrome, which in my case is my default web browser. So it'll open up your default web browser right to the page that it links to. So this is how we can point you directly to YouTube videos that we might have released or other training information or webinars or other things. Uh, we can link to them from Message Center, and it'll open up in your browser, and it's very easy to find. It, it takes you right to that page. So it's very simple to use. There's, there's some options where you can filter what type of messages you will see. Um, there's a search functionality. So as we, if there are more and more messages show up, you can search for those. Uh, but otherwise, just the basic use of it, it's just a matter of thinking of it like an inbox, and, and we'll put the messages there. Now, the really good thing we can do is actually target messages based on different pieces of information. So we can target messages only to JAWS or only to Zoom Text. So you notice there the message that I had in JAWS was what's new in JAWS June update for 2023. If I were running Zoom Text, the message in the Zoom Text message center would be specific to Zoom Text. So we can have different messages based on different parameters. We can actually push a message uh, to anyone using Windows 11 and not Windows 10 or vice versa. So we can target the messages based on e e version of JAWS or version of Windows, uh, different parameters so that you don't get flooded with messages that aren't really related to you. Um, the other thing we can do with it is push the messages based on the language of the product because it's not fair if we push out a message to the German version of JAWS that's in English. Our German friends would not be happy with us, right? And so we can push a specific message that's localized into German to all German versions of JAWS or ZoomText or all French versions or Danish versions or you know, any of the languages that we support. We can customize who gets which messages and make sure people are getting the correct language. So this is going to be a really good resource for all of us going forward to stay up to date and learn about new things that hopefully will help you use the product better as you go forward. So that's Message Center. I'm going to close out of this. What's new? Escape. Message Center. Messages. Multi-select list box. Escape. What's new? And 
to, an, to alert you to messages, every time JAWS or ZoomText or Fusion starts up, it will check to see if there's a new message. And if it finds a new message, it will, you will hear a verbal announcement. It'll say, new message is available. Press insert space, shift M to access it, or you can access it from the help menu of the product. So it's not going to be a pop-up, but we will tell you that there's a new message uh, when the product starts. And, and obviously... My message is already there, so I didn't hear that when I started JAWS earlier. But if we put out a new message on Friday, the next time you start up JAWS after Friday, you might hear a new message is available. We're using the Windows notification message center technology to alert that to you. So, again, it's kind of falling in line with other programs that push out messages to you as well. So those are a couple of big things in the June update. Um, in ZoomText, so we don't want to leave out our ZoomText friends, a big thing that we did with ZoomText is we're rewriting the magnification engine. Doesn't that sound fun? Um, basically, think of, a, 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 think of software kind of like a car, right? Sometimes you're, you're working on things that are the air conditioner or the windows or the different systems of the car, but everything is powered by the engine. The engine is pretty much the critical piece of the car. It drives everything else. So the magnification engine is that piece of Zoom text that controls everything else. And that part of the software was quite old. It's several, many, many years old. And it had been added onto, um, and, and, and you bolt, things bolted onto it, so to speak. So it needed, it needed some TLC. And so the team has been working on that since about January, built, rebuilding that from scratch. And in the June update, we're giving you in Zoom text an opportunity to start trying it out and giving us feedback through our early adopter program. Our early adopter program is something that right now it's only in ZoomText, but we'll add it into JAWS. But it lets you go and try out something. It lets you turn, some, turn a feature on that we want you to try out, but we may not be ready for you to use it full time, for example. So we want you to be able to try it and then turn it back off if you need to. Uh, and we've put the new magnification engine as part of that early adopter program. So you can actually go into that early adopter window, turn on the new magnification engine, try it. What, what we hope you'll notice and what you should notice is that Zoom text should be more responsive. It should start up a little bit faster. Uh, it, it, should, it will use a little bit less system resources. And so uh, we're continuing to work on that throughout the next few months. And then by the time we get to October, to the next major release of the products, that magnification engine will be on by default. But we want people to be able to start trying it out now and giving us feedback about it. So that's something big that's going on in ZoomText. We also updated some things around the freeze view feature, which is a technology that allows you to define a particular part of the screen, like a particular area of the screen, and always keep that area in your view, no matter where you scroll around. So for example, if you wanted to put a freeze view around the clock so you could always see what time it is, you could do that, and then no matter where you move your mouse on the screen, no matter whatever, what else is on the screen, that clock will always be visible, for example. So we did some updates there. Um, so those are this is probably our biggest update. The June update was our biggest update since the ori original release of the product back in October. A couple of other things that have happened over the last few months, um, we added into JAWS some scripts for the WhatsApp uh, application. Does anybody use WhatsApp on the computer? Yeah. All right, good. A few people. 
Um, it's very heavily used outside of the U.S. Our European friends um, actually use it extensively. And so, so we added in some scripts in JAWS to help you better interact with WhatsApp. We'll, we'll continue to update those going forward as well. Um, we added some other things into ZoomText as well. Again, some things around FreezeView and the, and the early adopter program. Um, those are probably the highlights from the last few months of things that have happened. Um, there's, there's quite a lot of bug fixes that go on and, again, updates that are, are necessary because your browsers like Chrome and Edge are constantly changing in the background, even when you don't know it. Your browsers are updating, if not weekly, at least every two weeks, and you don't ever really realize it unless something goes wrong. So we have to put a lot of work into testing with those updates and then making changes in JAWS if those are needed as well. So let's just, I'll, I want to touch on a few things from the original 2023 version that came out back in October. Um, one change that we made is for authorization of JAWS or ZoomText or Fusion. You don't have to have administrator rights to authorize the product anymore. Uh, so it especially is useful for those in a work setting or other places where you don't really have administrator access to your computer. Uh, for the JAWS authorization, it's not needed anymore. Um, we found a, a way to get around an issue that was going on with Dell computers. And I think some of you may be familiar with this. I know our tech support team is familiar from the past couple of years. So basically, Dell has a little helper application that runs on many of their computers called WavesMax, and it's a little audio helper program that deals with things like when you plug in headphones to your computer and your computer may pop up a message and say, hey, what did you plug in? Are these headphones? Is this a microphone? You know, what is this? Uh, a lot of that was controlled by the Dell application. Now, that, that Dell application had some code in it that caused an issue for JAWS, and it actually... These symptoms were probably experienced by you know, NVDA and maybe even Narrator as well. It wasn't actually unique to JAWS. But it basically, the more you had audio running through your computer, the more memory that program would suck up. It was like a thirsty program. It just kept sucking up more memory the more you had speech going on your computer until what would happen is maybe a few hours after you turned it on or even a day later, your computer might get sluggish. It might start freezing up or becoming unstable. And because that program was sucking up a bunch of memory. And so we, were, we actually worked, tried to work with Dell to get them to fix it. Uh, they didn't really want, have much interest because, as you all know, sometimes we're a small fish in a big pond in the technology world. So they didn't really want to help us. So we got our genius, Glenn, looking at it. And Glenn figured out a way that we could make JAWS uh, trick that Dell application to stop sucking up extra memory. So that was something we put in. It's not like a flashy new feature in the product, but it helps eliminate problems that many people were having and didn't even know that they were having problems, potentially. Um, so that's something we did in 2023. The other thing I wanted to point out is something called Smart Glance. Anyone familiar with Smart Glance? Yes. A few people have used it. Um, so what's the problem? Again, I like to think of things as a problem. The problem is when we're navigating websites, we can find a lot of information with JAWS, but it's mostly dependent on how the web page code is marked up, how it's tagged in the background. So you know, we can jump to headings on a web page by pressing H, but only if the web page 
has headings tagged, only if the right accessibility tags are there so that it tells JAWS, hey, this is a heading or this is a link or this is a button. Websites don't always do that properly. And then sometimes there's text that's there that it's not marked with a specific tag, and that's okay because it shouldn't be. But we, as people who aren't able to, if we're not able to see the screen, we lose the ability to quickly glance visually around that screen and look for things that stand out. So someone who can see the screen can quickly look at a web page and certain things the web page developers want them to see quickly. You know, and that text might be extra large font or a different color or really bolded or something that makes it stand out visually from the text around it. N not always will that text be marked up with certain coding attributes. So you could have text that's just bolded um, but, but not marked as a heading or something else. We wouldn't normally find that with JAWS. We'd find the text, but we wouldn't know that it was supposed to stand out. So Smart Glance evaluates the web page and tries to identify things that visually stand out but aren't tagged as headings or with other accessibility attributes. So it's trying to look for us to see what's here that someone visually might be able to catch real quickly but someone using JAWS wouldn't be able to see. That's the idea of Smart Glance. And I would think of this as... Um, adding another tool or another technique you can use to try to get around web pages. If I think of what do we do when we go to web pages and we're trying to find stuff, we use different features of JAWS, right? We might use the links list or press the tab key or use H to jump to headings or you know, we're using different things. And I think of that like a toolbox. And the Smart Glance feature is another thing to add to the toolbox. You might not use it all the time, but it might be helpful under certain circumstances. And, and I'll give you a demonstration of that. So I'm going to pull up a page in Chrome. JAWS. What's new in JAWS 2023 screen reading? National Hurricane Center. Nation okay, so I have a web page open. It's the National Hurricane Center. I'm, I'm kind of a weather nerd. I'll admit it. Um, and, and growing up in Florida, I was very attuned to hurricanes and, and other things. And by the way, I was that person who was standing out in the terrible wind because I wanted to. So I, I'll admit it. I don't recommend it, but I'll admit that I did it when I lived there. So this web page is the National Hurricane Center web page. Now, if I want to see what's here, then if I press H... There are no headings on this page. No headings. So, number one, this page is not 508 compliant, and it never has been, unfortunately. Um, and, and so there's, there's no headings here. So I can't use H to jump around. But let's try to see what links are on the page. This is a two-handed command, so I had to set the mic down. JAWS version 2023.2306. Skip navigation links 1 of 161. Escape. 161 links on this page. So it's a pretty big page, and there's no headings or quick way for me to find out the different sections. So I'm going to try out Smart Glance. And... I'm going to press so the, the letter to jump to the next smart glance is the letter Y, as in yellow. Now, why is it, smart? Why is it Y for smart glance? Anybody know? Exactly. All the other letters were taken. And actually, Y was taken, but Y was set to move to, I believe, spans or something like that that most people didn't use. So we actually took that away and replaced it with smart glance. So there's no great reason why we had to use Y except of necessity. So I'm going to press the letter Y. Escape. Sorry, I have to get back National to the National Hurricane Page Link Graphics Skip Navigation Link. NHC issuing advisories for the Eastern Pacific on. 
So Jaws jumped to the, this first text that it found that stood out from the other text around it. Same page link, TD. And if I down arrow, I'm going to get some, some links around this particular tropical uh, depression, it looks like, that's in the Pacific. Link, NHC blog, colon, and evaluation of NHC service enhanced. And then if I press Y again, Atlantic. I hear Atlantic. And actually, what I'm finding, and I'll just spill the beans on it, what you're finding is there are sections of this page. Atlantic-Caribbean Sea-Gulf of Mexico. There are no tropical cyclones in the Atlantic at this time. Eastern North Pacific. I'm finding sections of the page about the Atlantic Ocean, the Caribbean, the Eastern Pacific. Under any of those sections are different links unique to that area. These, these, these should have been headings is what the reality is. Um, and, and we would have quickly found them by pressing H. But since they weren't headings, rather than arrow through all of this and try to find them, uh, Y was helping me move through because the, these sections of text were actually marked as different font than the font around it. So JAWS recognized that they were standing out visually even though they weren't coded with proper accessibility. So this is an example of a, a site that lacks some accessibility, but Smart Glance helps you uh, find it. Another thing that Smart Glance might be good for finding is, for example, a lot of times on a web page, if it might have the phone number or the email address or the address of a, a business, a lot of times that text stands out. It's bolded or it's a different color to make it visually more apparent. Even though it probably shouldn't be marked as a heading, Smart Glance will help you find it because it, it sees that the text looks different than the text around it. So it's something you can try when you're on a page and you may be struggling to find what you're looking for, um, you can press Y and try moving to uh, what JAWS sees as the different Smart Glance items. So that's Smart Glance in a nutshell. That'll can, we'll continue to refine it as we get feedback on it as we go forward. Any questions yeah, on that? I was just going to make a comment about that Smart Glance. Sometimes when you get an email, it'll open up the email and say six Smart Glance glances on a page in an email. Yes. Now, would you use the Y command for that? Because I usually just go down there with the email. Would you use the Y command for that to see what the smart link Yeah, you could always try it and just see what it finds. Yeah, it, it could it could be. And sometimes you'll find that what Smart Glance finds isn't really that helpful to you. And sometimes you'll find that it is. So that's why I always say it's something worth trying and see if it's if it's illuminating some things that were uh, that that were helpful to you. All right. Um, I wanted to point out one thing. One, something that's really important to me is that we're always getting feedback about our products. And we, we want to be working on stuff that's important to people. And there's two ways that I wanted to point out to each of you that you can help us uh, be informed about what things are important to you. One is a really easy way. We set up an email address that I have access to, and, and Roxana, our, my product manager that works with JAWS and ZoomText and Fusion, she has access to this as well. And it's the, the email address is software suggestions, software suggestions, all one word, at vispero.com. So you can email us there anytime and say, hey, I'm interested in you adding functionality to do this, or I really would love to see some extra JAWS scripts for this program, or I want to see JAWS do this that it doesn't do. Now, don't tell us about all your problems with JAWS. You call tech support for that, and you'll talk to Mark or somebody else. But I, I want to hear from this email address things that we don't do right now that you would like to see us be able to do. So, so software suggestions 
at Vespero.com is one way. The other way that you can help us is a couple of years ago, we started adding into the products uh, telemetry data. And telemetry data sounds kind of scary, but what it actually is is it's data that if you opt into the telemetry data, it helps us know how people are using the product. It does not collect or give anything that can identify you personally. There's nothing that ties into your serial number or anything about you. All it does is it feeds us information back so that we can answer questions like, what features are people using? How many people are using the OCR functionality in JAWS? How many, yeah. So you can tell us that, right? But I can't go ask every person in the world using JAWS, even though I'd like to. It'd be a fun trip. But I can't. So the telemetry helps us see that better. It also helps us, another example, how many, we, we might want to know how many people are using the links list on a regular basis. Well, telemetry can help us do that. Yeah, a lot of you in this room do, I'm sure. Um, so telemetry helps us make decisions about what things we work on in the product based on how you all use the product. Rather than us have to guess and use intuition, which we still do, but telemetry gives us real data that's, that's super helpful to make sure we're working on areas of the products that are useful to you. And so when you install JAWS, um, you have an option to turn off telemetry data, and, and anyone's certainly welcome to do it. But by leaving it on, it, it, it passes that data back to us about which parts of the products people are using. So if it, I, I want to point that out specifically and make sure that everyone understands what we collect and what we don't collect, that it absolutely has nothing to do with identification of anyone. It's only telling us things about what different parts of JAWS or ZoomText that people go to, and it's really valuable for us to make sure we're working on the right things in the product. Any questions about how you can help us? How do you turn the, I suspect I turn the telemetry off, so how do I turn it back on? Good question. So if you go to the JAWS window. JAWS. JAWS. And if you go into Help. Alt-H, Help menu, Command. So I pressed Alt-H, I went to Help, and then I'm going to go to the Startup Wizard item. Check for license, FS support, Startup Wizard, dot, 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 Z. Enter, leaving menus, JAWS Startup Wizard dialog. Help us improve freedom scientific products. Would you like to participate in our effort to improve freedom scientific products by submitting anonymous usage data? Participate, checkbox, checked, Alt plus P. So on the first page of the Startup Wizard is a checkbox that you can toggle on or off, and it, it's, it's on by default, and it says... Participate, checkbox, check. To participate. So if you uncheck it, you'll be out of the program. If you were already out and you come here to the startup wizard and check it, then you'll add yourself back in. Uh, but, but it's the best way to get to the setting is through the startup wizard from the JAWS help menu. Escape, JAWS. All right. Let's talk about some new stuff. Um, so, again... I like to solve problems. Like that, that's the goal of our teams. And so I'm going to share a couple of teasers with you about problems we're trying to solve for the next version of JAWS. How many of you all um, have to get on video calls, like through Teams or Zoom or other things? Okay. Pretty good number of you. How many of you all struggle like me to tell, am I actually in the camera view? Am I centered? Am I... 
looking the right way? Is there a basket of dirty laundry behind me that's in the view? Is my dog back there doing something that's in the camera view? This is a real problem, and I, I deal with this problem all the time because I'm on Teams calls all the time. I need to have my camera on. So we want to solve that in JAWS 2024 by adding in a feature where we're going to be able to tell you how you are positioned in the camera view. And I can actually demo a very early version of this. So I'm going to sit down at my machine. So I have a laptop here, and it's got the camera in the the screen of the laptop. And what I struggle with when I use my laptop camera is what angle do I need to put the screen at so that it's seeing me and not looking at my shoulders or cutting off, you know, maybe only looking at the top of my head and then looking at the ceiling. It's hard to get that angle right if you don't really know how you look. So that's it. So what I'm going to do is turn this functionality on. And by the way, this is like alpha version of software right now. This is like a special thing they hacked together for me to, to be able to show this to you. So it's by no means is it done. Face. But I'm going to turn face and frame on. Open it, face and frame. And brightness level is dark. So one of the things that you know, if those of you who have some vision, this room is pretty dark. So it's it's also detecting the um, brightness level is normal. And what this also helps do is if you have the shutter, if you have a privacy shutter on your camera and it's closed. Sometimes I've been on video. Brightness level is very dark. And somebody will say, uh, I don't even see you. And then I realize my my privacy shutter was closed. So by it telling me the light here will help me know if that shutter was closed. Brightness level is normal. And move this around. No face detected. No face detected. Face is centered. So now that I've moved the uh, angle of my screen, it told me that face is centered. If I move that where it's looking not quite at me. No face detected. Brightness is 57%, which is normal. Now it's telling me no face detected. So my face is actually outside of the view of the camera. No face detected. Brightness is 54%, which is normal. No face de- No face detect. And basically what we'll get as, as you move your head around, it will be able to tell you if your face is centered, if your face is off to the side. I think it's actually... Brightness level is bright. Yeah, there we go. I think the glare, there's some glare from a light above me, and I think that's part of what's actually kind of making it... Brightness level is normal. Sometimes it's normal. No face that. And sometimes it's not. But... What you will hear is that it will be able to tell you when you're centered in the camera and when you're not. And so you can get the angle of your camera correctly. And then one of the other things, um, one of the other things we'll be able to do is have it tell you if you're looking at the camera. So like if your eyes are actually looking at the camera versus looking above the camera or looking below the right, camera. Right, level is dark. For example, um, it'll, it'll be able to tell you some of those things as well. So it's, it's something that we're working on and we should have ready by right, the time level is normal. Uh, 2024 comes out. And it will really help us all be able to, when we're participating in video calls, to be able to, to know that we 
or at least in the camera view. And um, we're, we're working on ways to do even object detection so it could tell you other things that are also in the video with you, um, like a dirty basket of laundry, for example. Um, I mean, we won't know if it's dirty laundry or clean laundry, but we might know it's a basket of laundry. You have to figure the rest out. But it will, it will help us all be more professional and make sure that when we're participating in video calls that we are as professional looking in those as anyone else that's able to see their screen. So that's something that's, that I'm really excited about um, that's coming up in 2024. Face. Closing face and frame. Jaws. The, the other thing that I want to talk about is something in Braille. How many of you use a refreshable Braille display? Yeah. All right, good. So, so quite, a, quite a number of Braille folks. So let's talk about the problem that we want to solve. The problem is, and this is really related to speech too, um, but the, the problem is that when we are using a Braille display, you're really only looking at one area of the screen at any given time, right? So if you're reading a Word document, but you want to also be looking at something in an email, you have to switch back and forth between the emails, between the email and the Word document, for example. Or if you're looking at a web page and a spreadsheet, you have to keep switching back and forth between them. Wouldn't it be nice if we could take a single-line Braille display and basically split it in half, and on one half of the Braille display show you one set of information, and on the other half of the display show you something totally different and let you navigate them independent from each other? That's what we're doing with Braille for 2024, JAWS. So we'll actually be able to take for a single-line Braille display divided into two regions, a left region and a right region, and, and you can have different things on different sides of the Braille display. So I'll give you some examples of what that might look like. Um, I'm going to open up Windows D, folder view. a document here on my desktop. Kiosk accessibility blob, enter. Opening dash word. So a few years ago, I wrote a kiosk accessibility kiosk blog accessi post, and this is just the document where I wrote that. It's a Microsoft Word document. Heading level two from airports and train stations to government office. So right now I have, I have a Focus 40 here, and, and this feature isn't going to be tied to any one manufacturer, right? I mean, we're not just making this work for Focus Braille displays. It'll, it'll work for other Braille displays as well. But I have a Focus 40, and, and I've got the text here on the Braille display. So I'm going to look, I'm going to turn on this split Braille. Select Braille view dialog. List one, list view, no split, one of eight. Buffer text, annotation, attribute indicators, four of eight. The first thing I'm going to use is attribute indicators because I want to be able to easily tell the formatting of my text, right? I want to check did I, what things are bolded, what things are underlined, what things are italicized, for example. Enter. Edit. So when I did that, what, what I have on my Focus 40 is right in the center, the middle two cells are now a, deli a delineator or delimiter. So the delimiter is one cell has dots uh, three, sorry, dots four, five, six, and eight are raised, and then the cell to the right of that has dots one, two, three, seven raised. So what you kind of feel is two vertical bars, and it's right in the center of my display. So everything to the left of that is now showing me the text from this line where it says from airports to train stations. That's right now on the left side. And on the right side is the attributes for that text, whether it's bolded or italicized or underlined. 
So I can quickly tell right now that the first few words here uh, from train from airports to are normal text. And then where the word train stations would be on the left side, I can tell that that's bolded now by having my other hand on the right side. So if I'm wanting to quickly review this document, I would put two hands on the display, one hand on the right side, one hand on the left. I would be reading the text with my left hand and, and feeling the attributes, validating the attributes with my right hand for that same text that's on the left side. And then I would be able to pan through this, and each side of the display would update with the correct information. Um, another example of doing this would be I could actually have different um, Braille tables used, for example. So if I wanted uh, – does anyone teach Braille here? Yeah. Okay. So you could have contracted Braille on one side and uncontracted Braille of the same text on the other side of the display. So for teaching people Braille, this will expose – where, where I can read with one hand the contracted Braille and then the other side the exact same text in uncontracted. And as I pan through the document or the web page or whatever, everything will show both translations there, contracted and uncontracted. And that's just an example. There could be other tables, Braille tables you could use. You could have computer Braille and uh, contracted Braille, for example. So whatever tables are available in Braille, you'll be able to have one on one side and one on the other. And then I think what will be the one of the most powerful ways to use this is what we're calling buffered mode. So this blog post right here, if I use buffer mode, I could basically take all of the text in this document, put it in a buffer, and have it on the right side of the Braille display. And then I could pan around that text. And then I could move the computer to something totally different from this Word document, whether it's an email that I'm looking at or another document or a web page. And I could have the text of this document on the right side and the text from the other application on the left side work with them totally independent of each other and even copy text from the buffered side over to the other side without having to alt-tab around the applications and move my focus everywhere we would, I would be able to read both things at the same time, pan through them independent of each other, and then even copy text uh, from one side to the other, for example. So one of the things that we're doing now is working with Braille display manufacturers. or we're, we're kind of getting ready to put this notification out to them to start partnering to allow them to set up how, how their Braille display key mappings will work with this functionality. We already have this assigned, obviously, for the Freedom Scientific Braille displays, but we'll work with other manufacturers to map what the keys do. But the underlying functionality will be the same. It will allow us to have two sections of Braille that can operate independent of each other. So this is something I think is going to – we have a, a team of developers and testers that work heavily with Braille, and, and they are – I've never seen – them excited like I have about this functionality. And they're using it every day right now, developing and testing it. And they're seeing that this is, from a productivity and capability standpoint, is, gonna, is revolutionizing even the way that they use Braille. And many of them have been using Braille for 50-plus years, for example. So we will, we will probably have this available in the public betas of JAWS that come out in, uh, in September. And are, are any, is anyone here on our private beta team by chance? No? Okay. So that group will actually get access to this probably in the next uh, few weeks or so.
All right, so that's the two kind of highlights of things coming up. There'll be a lot. We'll, we'll talk about this a lot more. There's a lot that I didn't share because I can't tell you everything now. We have to have something else to talk about later. And, and so we'll keep releasing more and more information about some of this as we get closer to those releases in the fall. So I want to take some time now and see if anyone has uh, questions that you want to ask. Okay, so my question is regarding um, more of like the actual so rail um, splitting. So for one specific uh, case that I see is either if you're running chat, like a Teams chat, or you're streaming something, or you're trying to look at a chat or like a webinar, and being able to actually just read all of that chat while your your speech is focused in a different window. Is it possible possible to just, um, I assume this might actually already exist, but um, this might not not be the same as actually just the Braille offering, but is it possible at the moment, or will it be possible, to have just the Braille display and the speech uh, work asynchronously? Probably a little bit. Um, it, it will depend on the application. So, so right now, y- you will be able to have the speech reading from one window and then the text in Braille showing from a different window, although the text that's from a different window will be buffered, so it won't be live updating like a chat history. You would have to press a command to make it update because JAWS can't actually see that text unless it's focused. Um, but, but what you're describing will, will mostly be possible um, one other one other thing I think that will be really good for this for anyone who does PowerPoint or other presentations, if you're using a Braille display, is you would have the ability to have your notes buffered on one side, and then your actual presentation on the other side that you might be live sharing with other people. Um, you don't you know you don't want the other people to see your notes document or even the slide notes that could be on one side of the display, and then the other side would actually have your presentation itself that you're looking at. So I think that's another really powerful way this will help people. You're rolling that question? There's no mic. Speak loud. Yeah, just... Well, there's two things that I'll say real quick. First of all, the new update in June is beautiful. But one thing I thought was broken, I work for Marriott Reservation Center, and I know they're looking to get you guys to script stuff. But, like, when you pick, like, we just like the combo box. And it's like the menu, like it's like something to open it. It does not like something that before it would expand. Now it does not. Are you saying when you press, if you press Alt down arrow, yeah. to expand it? And then, and then to expand that to see another bunch of slides. Yeah. And is that in the like a reservations application yeah. that you use? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's something we'd have to look into to see what may be going on, but I don't know if we have access to that application. Well, that's the thing, that's Okay, good. Well, then we'd be able to better tell. The thing I was wondering is, as the future comes, with C-Labs being so popular, do you think we can get to that point where we use different voices to be able to use as screen as C-Labs gets better and better? Yeah, one of the projects that, that we actually are working on is how do we how can we leverage some new voice technology? Um, I don't have anything that I can share exactly about that yet, but it's actually one of the top things on my mind 
of how do we leverage some of these realistic sounding voices and, and not suggesting take away eloquence, but I'm suggesting there may be things that we could additionally add in that could be beneficial per, for people around some of the really high quality and, and AI voices that even include emotion and other things in it. That's definitely something we want to be able to do. Okay, so I use, so when I use Microsoft Bing Chat, is it possible to use Bing Chat with Jaws? Bing Chat. So if you go, if you use Jaws and you're in Edge or Chrome and you go to Bing Chat, you would be able to use it with Jaws. We don't have something like special in JAWS. You would just use JAWS on the Bing Chat's website, and, and I've actually used it some um, myself, and, and you would just be able to interact with it as a traditional web page with JAWS. Next question. I've got a mic. Oh, good. See, so you got a question? Yeah. Um, I'm thrilled you guys did the Autonome Tech uh, Braille displays. I live in a blind household with Twitter. We have five Braille displays, and we often plug into different computers. So thank you for that. Um, I'm wondering if there's, I guess, a two-part question. The easy part is um, when we do hook up a new Braille display, we have to go through and I get rid of the dot seven eight. That's just really uh, personally annoying to me. So I have to go on and, and get rid of it in the main window, and then also in in all the browsers and in the word processor or whatever, and it's a, it's a minor annoyance, but if you could have some command, we could just turn those, turn off all the dot seven eight stuff uh, for everything, that would be great. But the, what I'd really love to have is, I want to know sometimes when text is bolded or highlighted or whatever, and UEB has all those commands, is there any chance we could ever see that in, UE, in with, using the UEB commands when we're, say, editing a, a document, especially for uh, rail embossing or something? Yeah, I think that's – so the question is can we add some of the UEB uh, patterns into the Braille displays with JAWS? And, and I, don't, I don't have a timeline on that, but, yes, that is something that, that we need to be able to do for sure. Great. Yep. I have two questions. Um, first one, this is quite related to what you discussed, but might be related to a roadmap projecting forward. How advanced of tasks can someone – who is using JAWS, not through the keyboard, but perhaps through some sort of voice assistant software. So perhaps Sharky, Dragon, etc. Can you like can you Excel or Microsoft Word, email, web browsing? My second question is how in any way has the emergence of some of these large language models and other AI advances impacted JAWS now or will in the future? Okay, so the second question was about large language models and AI and what that might look like in the future. Um, I'm not at a point where I can share anything about that specifically, but I would, all, I would say again that that's actually a huge topic that we're working on, and we have some really amazing ideas that, are, that we're working on on how to integrate the power of what a large language, and for, for those who don't know, a large language model is an AI technology. It's basically what ChatGPT and Bing Chat run off of, where you can use very natural language to converse with technology, so to speak. So, I mean, imagine things like being able to converse with JAWS around your settings or how to manipulate JAWS even more so than the Ask Sharky and Ask Zoomy functionality where you have to give it very specific commands. 
that's where large language models can take us. Um, when we will get there, I can't say that today, but that's, that's the direction that I think we can all look forward to as we go forward. And, and that probably speaks a little bit to your first question about, I think you were asking about voice control. And, and so right now we have the ability to work with certain functionality of the products with voice control. Um, one of the things that we want to look at doing is integrating and making sure that when you use uh, things like the Windows 11 dictation functionality, that that will work better with JAWS, for example. So what we see down the road is we don't really see a reason that we need to reinvent the wheel on dictation. We just need to make sure that we can work well with the, the other dictation that's out there. And much of it's actually built into Windows now as we go forward. So, so that is something that we'll definitely be working on. You got a question right here? Yes. I actually have to. Uh, first, uh, under Word... Uh, you know when you can highlight wording to a different type of colors? Is there a way in JAWS that just tell you that you have highlighted that, that text in yellow or green? And then my second question is, uh, is there an actual course or training in scripting uh, with the JAWS other than, than the, just the scripting manual that's on, on your guys' website? So the second question is about script training, and right now the script training that's out there is there's a basics of scripting manual, um, and and that's the only training that we have for free on scripting. And we do have some paid training materials out there, but always interested to hear that feedback because what we it's hard to gauge sometimes how many people are interested in learning scripting. So that that kind of feedback is always helpful if, if that's something you're interested in then let us know. Either email us at training at vispero.com or the software suggestions mailbox. Tell us that script training is something you're interested in so that we have more reason you know, and, and capabilities to add additional training as we go forward. And then I think your other question was about detecting colors of text in a Word document. And one way to do that would be using the speech and sound schemes. Um, the, the speech and sound schemes functionality in JAWS will allow you to to set up a scheme that will tell you automatically as you're reading when words are, are different font colors or different attributes, for example, like bolded or underlined. And it can even speak those words in different um, voices or different inflections. So you could have a speech and sound scheme that anytime it found blue text would either tell you it's blue automatically or it would speak that text with a different voice so that you would know it's blue. So speech and sound scheme is, is really the key place to, to go to uh, configure JAWS to alert you to font changes like color, for example. Thank you. Next and, question. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm going to issue, and it's annoying. Every time that I load up um, a respective computer or whatever with JAWS, I'm having, I, it seems to lose focus every single time, and I have to go back to all G and do it again. And then it'll be, I'll go out of it, and then I'll do something, and I'll go back and I'll keep losing focus. And this has been going on for a while, and I don't know if I need to talk to technical support about this or not, but it's a very annoying issue. So you, when you're using the computer, when you boot it up, you, so are you, you, you lose focus. And so if you press insert T, you either hear maybe nothing or Jaws says no focus or something. I had my brother take a look at it, and he can't get it to do what it is at all. 
Yeah. It, there's probably something unique to that machine where focus is, is getting stole, uh, stolen. Is that a word? Focus is getting moved to somewhere that you can't tell where it is, and even JAWS can't tell where it is. Sometimes applications in the background can do that. Uh, I, I have no idea off the top, top of my head. But, I mean, it, if you press Windows key D and you put focus on the desktop, it, it comes back up, yeah. Yeah, I would probably... I would probably call our, our tech support team and see if you make it troubleshoot a little bit with them and see if they have an idea. Are they going to require my, um, my authorization number or do I just give them my name and then they can look it up? Do they need me file license key number? Yeah, they, they can get it a couple of different ways. You don't have to already know that necessarily when you call. Okay. Yep. Any other questions? Um, uh, right up by the speaker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> I have two questions. Uh, number one is with respect to uh, Signal Messenger. Um, do you guys have plans to write scripts to support uh, Signal Messenger web? And my second question is with respect to the facial recognition. Um, is this processing done on the computer or is the image like your the frame? Is it sent up to the cloud like the Google uh, cloud or Microsoft, or is it done on the computer itself? Okay, so the second question is the face and frame where we can detect if you're in the picture or not. Is that processing happen on the computer, or are we sending it to the cloud? Right now, all of that processing is done on the computer, so it's not connected to the Internet, that functionality um, at all. It's all being processed on the computer. And then the other question was, are we going to be adding scripts for Signal Messenger? Um, it's something we've been talking about. I don't know that we've made a final answer. It's something that we would like to do, but it's more a question of when. And I don't think it will be something we'll have in the first version of 2024, um, but it's something that we could certainly look at adding later, and we have been discussing it. And just for any background for anyone else, that's another chat uh, and communication application as well. So, yeah, sure. I, I want to take the last minute or so here as we're about to wrap up. To, to also point out uh, about our training team, the things that they're working on. Uh, there, there's webinars that are happening, one webinar per month. There's Ask Sharky events, which we do on Zoom and Clubhouse. Um, who, does anyone here participate in those, the webinars or Ask Sharky? Good. And then we also do ACB community events uh, just about every week on Thursdays, and those are open to anyone um, there are a variety of topics there that we cover. There's always a schedule of the next month's activities on our training website. So if you go to freedomscientific.com slash training, you can find the schedule there and see what's coming up and, and participate in whatever you want to participate in. Find things that are helpful to you. And then also look for us to point out certain things in the message center going forward about training opportunities that we have that we think will be beneficial. So, okay, sure, go ahead. What is the name of these ACB community events that you're involved with that you're talking about? Um, they're on a different topic every week. I think they're, it's just called ACB community events. Um, there's a Zoom link. I think you have to email. If you subscribe to the community yeah. list, then uh, you can watch emails. it you'll get the daily I don't yep. know what the name of your call was. I don't know that ours has a special name. 
If it does, I don't actually know what it is, to be honest. Sure. Yeah, so the question is, what do we see about JAWS leveraging artificial intelligence? So JAWS actually already does in some way. So a- AI is, is a really broad term. So think about the smart glance item, like uh, of detecting text and, fi- and comparing it to text around you. That actually is kind of AI already. Now, it's not a traditional AI like we understand with ChatGPT, for example. Um, also, the the face and frame, the, the video recognition functionality that we talked about, that is definitely using AI. Now, it's all local to the machine, but it is an AI model that will be a part of JAWS that helps recognize your face and the things around you and, and how your face is set up in the image. So those are ways we're already adding in uh, the, the ability to work with AI, and, and that will only grow as we go forward, um, it, whether it be large language models or image recognition. You know, One of the things that we want to do is we're trying to also watch the landscape of technology of where AI is going. So a good example of this is the browsers, both Edge and Chrome, are already and will be in the very near future are adding in some things for accessibility that leverage AI. So things around automatic image descriptions. Um, those are things that, yeah, we could we could do those things in JAWS, but Google and Microsoft can do them way faster uh, than we can because they've got a billion developers and we've got like 15. So we're going to watch and find the ways that we can fit in with those things and make sure that we can that jaws for example can work with other ai technologies as they come out assuming they're accessible and then we'll find ways where where can we fit in around that and do our own thing because we don't want to get into a competition around who can do image descriptions the best right we don't we're not looking to compete with google or microsoft on those we're looking to to find ways that we can um, make something available that wasn't already available to us as as people with, who are blind or low vision. Right, my last question. The gentleman here. Yeah. Go ahead. Hi. Um, <coughs> my question is that I subscribed to the blog, your guys' Freedom Scientist blog, but I'm not getting. What do I do? <coughs> so you you subscribe to the Freedom Scientific blog, but you're not getting the emails. That come to you? Okay. What, what I would do is I would, at, I would email training at vispero.com. That will go to Rachel and Liz and that team that runs the blog in our training department. Tell them, you know, give them the email address that you used to sign up and your name, and, and they can look in that blog and see, you know, maybe something got messed up when, the, you know, when you signed up. I don't know, but they would be able to look into that and, and help you figure that out. And it could also be going to your spam. Yeah, that, that's right. All right, so I'm going to turn it back over to Janet, who I think has the closing code. But thank you all for hanging out with me this afternoon, and hopefully you learned something, and we'll go forward. Thank you so much. What a great class. This concludes the class on 
from Vispero on JAWS, ZoomText, and Fusion. And the closing code is 71016. For anyone for continuing education, again, the code is 71016. Thank you.